And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh. With me as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we dice. <laughs> nope, we don't. <laughs> Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film past or present absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Spirit world. <laughs> you watched it. <laughs> I watched yeah. It. Oh, Justin, I don't know about that movie. It's a it's a completely different movie than what I remember when I was a kid. And I was pretty bored. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> sure. But I, I see the appeal. And now I do want to watch the second one because I'm like, wait a minute. The ending of the first Young Guns, they all kind of split their ways. So I'm, uh, I'm intrigued on how the second one's going to play out. But we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> you ask if I got scars. I got scars. <laughs> oh, man, I'd love to. I'll make you oh. famous. Young Guns. That's That's good stuff, man. And it's a shame you don't like it. Did you like it when when uh, the one guy says Navajo? Yeah, Steve <laughs> or Dur- Dermot Mulroney. That's who that yeah. is. Dermot Mulroney. Yeah. So gross when he's like chewing all the time. And just with spitting. the other guy. Dermot. Derm- Dylan McDermott. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. it be great if they were both in it? Then uh, that's, that's magic right there. Dylan McDermott Mulroney. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like Blue Diamond Phillips a lot. He was good in it. Yeah. Mexican Indian, you son of a bitch. Yeah. It's good stuff. Anyway. Yeah, and it's got the Jack Palance and it's got it's got uh Zod. Oh, <laughs> Terrence yeah. Stamp, right? Is he in that Terrence movie? Stamp. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Zod, I forgot about that. Good stuff. <laughs> he was hacking me. What else did you watch? Uh oh, so yeah, so I watched um well, actually not that much, surprisingly. I was putting Malcolm Malcolm in the middle on in the background and then uh, I didn't really do a bunch of TV watching. I played some Warzone, quite a bit of Warzone just because season two is coming out uh, tonight. So by the time this recording is posted, it'll be ready and I'll probably be very stressed out because I'll be like, I only died because the guy was cheating. Ah, my There was lag. I had lag. That's why I died. So <laughs> that's pretty much my excuse for any time oh, I get killed. That game is nuts. Yeah, it's uh, it's stressful, but it's actually really fun. When they iron out all the kinks from season one, it was it's pretty fun to f- play with friends. We play often. Yeah. Sure, sure. It's like a 220 gigabyte game now. I know it's pretty ridiculous. Like, uh, if you have like all of Call of Duty. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, what did you watch, Justin? Um, I don't even remember. I watched I wrote down. I've been watching Seinfeld, a lot of Seinfeld. Transformers, War for Cybertron, Earthrise. I hadn't I had to catch up on that. It's only six episodes, so it didn't take long. I watched the new Studio Ghibli film, Earwig and the Witch, uh, which is interesting because it is 3D animation, and traditionally Studio Ghibli doesn't do that, so it was uh, kind of jarring. But uh, it had really good music. It was fun. And then I watched Tenet last night, and I could probably talk about that movie for like, 10 hours but i'm choosing (laughs) not to do that um i think that at a certain point you just have to accept that this is nolan logic and you have to just go with it because if you try and argue with it then it's not going to work out for you but i do think it's remarkable that someone that doesn't believe in adr that just wants to have his characters have conversations between two fucking trains or on the middle of a boat with all kinds of roaring crashing waves or there's a car accident going on and everyone's just talking normal or they're wearing fucking masks and you're just supposed to understand that that they're like, oh, and you're like, okay, that, that was probably a serious plot point, but I didn't hear a goddamn <laughs> word they just said. So there was a lot of that, which is obnoxious, but I think at the end of the day, it was a, a relatively fun movie and I'm glad that I saw it. Um, have you watched it yet? No, I haven't, but uh, I'm I'm curious on on watching it. Sure. So apparently, I did pretty well on um, on un- unraveling the plot. Uh, watched it with a friend, and 
I I was keeping up pretty well. So that's good. And if I can keep up, then you can keep up. <laughs> <laughs> if I can change, you can change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, a lot of the stuff I was able to kind of figure out. And uh, I'm sure that if I can figure it out, then you can too. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I saw it. I'm not in any particular rush to watch it again. I'll probably check out some internet videos to kind of understand a little bit more what they were going for. But um, at the end of the day, I, it's over and done with, and I guess I'll just have to wait two or three years for the next Nolan project. Yeah, I really want to see it, but I mean, honestly, I'm in th- that weird point where I'm either going to buy it when it's on sale, or I'm just waiting till it comes out on like HBO Max or something. But I, I definitely do want to see it, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of bugs me that Nolan does that, where he doesn't really use ADR, and I mean, compounded with how he's acted about HBO's streaming stuff and all that kind of you know, his, his, um, what would you call it? His outlash or whatever, sure. his lash outs on that. Um, it's just kind of annoying to me. And, and I, I don't think of him in such high regard anymore. Uh, I don't know. So yeah, he's been kind of a sourpuss. Sure. I mean, I do think that, you know, when you're one of the most sought after filmmakers of the last like two decades, then, and you're a big deal, then you're entitled to have some opinions, but, I feel like I am just I feel like that there's just this palpable pretentiousness that exists in this movie. <laughs> and I'm just yeah. like, man, guy, you are just you are something else. <laughs> so whatever. It's it's fine. I'm glad I watched it. And uh, for me, you know, you mentioned buying it. And for me, this is a one and done. I, I can get all that I need out of the rest of this movie just by watching a couple of maybe like deep dives from the YouTube community. But other than that, I'm good to go. Right. Yeah. And I, and I will discuss that with you one of these days, a year from now when I will be able to see it. <laughs> yeah. When it's on sale in the bargain bin. Yeah. There you go. How elite is he now when he's at a $5 bin at the Wally world? <laughs> there you go. So, but it was shot really, really well. It's, I mean, it's a beautiful movie. Yeah. It's just, uh, it just reeks of Nolan, man. <laughs> holy shit not in a fun way either uh but yeah uh we're are you ready to talk about the movie uh yeah i think so let's do it all right so uh right now as we're recording this it is uh february which of course is black history month and um we just were talking about what are some incredible films that we like and for me it was hidden figures and uh as as i'm saying this right now i don't know if you had seen it yet but i i saw this movie a couple years ago and I absolutely loved it. Came out in 2016, directed by Theodore Melfi, uh, who you might know from St. Vincent. Hasn't done a whole lot. Um, it was written by Alison Schroeder and Theodore Melfi, and it's based on the book written by Margot Lee Shetterly. Uh, the cast members are incredible. This is a freaking super mega star cast uh, with uh, Taraji P. Henson, Octavia Spencer, Janelle Monet, Kevin Costner, Kirsten Dunst, Jim Parsons, Mahershala Ali, Aldous Hodge, and Glenn Powell. And um, I think every one of these actors brings their A-game, specifically the uh, the three uh, female leads. They fucking crush it in this movie. Uh, as far as critical reception goes, I don't have in front of me, but give me one second. Uh, as far as the Rotten Tomato meter there goes, it is at a whopping 93% certified fresh. So, if you've seen it, chances are you like it. So, you're in good company. So, let's see here. We have uh, Jenna Marotta from the IndieWire says, Hidden Figures presented three brilliant black women who just wanted to do their jobs. And uh, they do it quite well. It's pretty, it's pretty good. We also have uh, Disha Filia says the movie features outstanding performances and pays tribute to three pioneering black women who played a central role at NASA in the early 1960s during the space race between the United States and the Soviet Union. Yeah, that's now that's how you give a description. <laughs> that's all I need to know. <laughs> Honestly. Um, let's see here. Am I right? Am I'm I right? <laughs> uh, Richard Propes from theindependentcritic.com says it's a feel good, inspirational, and entertaining film with winning performances across the board and an incredibly valuable history lesson. That is the main takeaway for me, right there is an incredibly valuable history lesson. 
as someone that has always uh, been fascinated with with the with outer space and the great beyond and 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 the the engineering that is involved to get a human being from this planet to another or or just up into space or to the moon you name it um, it is well above my level of competence and I'm always fascinated when someone like Bill Nye the science guy or or um, Neil deGrasse Tyson can just explain something to me to where it is dumbed down so far that it makes perfect sense to me. But as soon as I watch another space video, I'm always like, whoa, that's so cool. I had no idea. <laughs> it's always a fun <laughs> little experience for me. Love yeah. space travel, love everything about it. And as someone that has always uh, been fascinated with with the space race and just the the journey to get us to another planet, when Hidden Figures came out, I had no idea that these three women existed and that broke my heart. You know, this isn't something that I was taught in school. Um, and then uh, we have, there's one negative review and I guess I can share that since we always do that on this show, but it's from Yasa Medina who says, one of the main problems of this film is that it builds the drama in a very naive, very artificial, very intentional way. And I don't, know what that means um i i get what he's saying and and i think what we can discuss it a little more in the podcast but i i i think i get what i get what they are saying i apologize um i i what they were saying i kind of understand okay and you'll explain that further yeah i'll try to at least okay i don't think i understand how you build drama that the way the film is building drama is naive and artificial uh, I think the artificial part might be the thing I can probably explain a little more. Okay. Um, but yeah. I mean, I'm sure finding a way to shoehorn life experiences might feel artificial, but when someone has to deal with that on a regular basis, mm-hmm. it, I don't think that it should be cheapened in any way. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's more about how, oh God, I'm going to save it. I'll, I'll, I'll let's we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk when we get okay. into the, into the <laughs> sure. meat and potatoes of it. Sure. Or, or the veggies and the tofu of it. <laughs> sure. Appreciate that. Um, I don't have the budget in front of me. Hold please. Isn't it another I, document? I am unprepared. No, the budget was $25 million. I thought that I wrote that down, but apparently oh. I didn't. It was $25 million opening weekend. It came out on Christmas day, 2016. So December 25th, 2016, uh, for $515,000, but that was a very limited release. It was basically just to get it in that year's contention for uh, the Academy Awards, I imagine. And then the the following, uh, two weeks later, it would have been like January 6th or so was the worldwide release. And that came in at, uh, Gross United States was $169 million Worldwide, you're looking at $236 million. So very successful on a $25 million film. Cool. Yeah, and it is streaming on Disney Plus. That's how I watched it. Uh, do you own it? Do, uh, do you own it, Justin? Sorry. <laughs> I no, I don't. I uh, I do not own it. I did watch it on Disney Plus as well. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Um. Do you want to hear trivia? Sure. Love to. Cool. When Taraji P. Henson signed on for the lead role, she met with the real life Katherine Johnson, who was ninety eight years old. That's awesome. To discuss the character she was about to portray. Henson learned that Johnson had graduated from high school at age 14 and from college at 18 and was still as lucid as anyone years younger. After the film was screened for Johnson, she expressed her genuine approval of Henson's portrayal, but wondered why anybody would want to make a film about her life. (laughs) She's humble. The issue with the bathrooms was not something Katherine Johnson personally experienced. It was actually encountered by Mary Jackson instead. In fact, it was this incident as a result of Jackson ranting to a colleague, which got her moved to the wind, the wind tunnel team. Johnson was initially unaware that the east side bathrooms were even segregated and used the unlabeled white whites only bathrooms for years before anyone complained. When she simply ignored the complaint issue complaint, the issue was dropped completely. Paul Stafford, Jim Parsons and Vivian Mitchell, Kirsten Dunst were are not based on real people. Instead, both characters are uh, composites of different team members who worked at NASA, intended to represent the dismissive attitudes held by some of the white coworkers during this period. Okay. 
That makes a little more sense. The set used for Dorothy Vaughn's house where the ladies play cards and dance is actually a historic house in Atlanta where civil rights pioneer Ralph Abernathy and Martin Luther King met. Uh, Colors were key to the setting to setting the mood of the film. Cold sets at NASA where calculations took place were filmed in sterile white grays and silvers in sharp contrast to the warm sets of Al Harrison's office and the ladies homes. In the scene when John Glenn takes off, his dialogue as he enters orbit is identical to the dialogue by Ed Harris playing the same character in The Right Stuff. Ed Harris. He's got them space movies, see? A uh, mathematics professor from from historically black college, HBC, Morehouse College, was engaged as a technical advisor to ensure that the equations on the blackboards were accurate. That's neat. Director Theodore Melfi was in the running to direct Spider-Man Homecoming, but uh, removed his name from consideration in order to direct this film instead. Huh. Fun facts. So uh, cool. Here is a synopsis. Catherine Johnson works at the Langley Research Center in Hampton, Virginia in 1961, alongside her colleagues Mary Jackson and Dorothy Vaughn. All of them are African-American women. The unit is segregated by race and sex. White supervisor Vivian Mitchell assigns Catherine to assist Al Harrison's space task space task group. Given her skills in the analytical geometry, she becomes the first black woman on the team. Head engineer Paul Stafford is especially dismissive, though. Mary is assigned to the space capsule heat shield team, where she immediately identifies a design flaw. Encouraged by her team leader, Carl Zelinski, a Polish Jewish Holocaust survivor, Mary applies for an official NASA engineer position. She is told by Mitchell that regardless of her mathematics and physical science degree, the position requires additional courses. Mary files a petition for permission to attend all white Hampton high school, despite her husband's opposition pleading her case in court. She wins over the local judge by appealing to his sense of history, allowing her to attend night classes. Catherine meets African-American national guard, Lieutenant Colonel Jim Johnson, who voices skepticism about women's mathematical abilities. He later apologizes and begins spending time with Catherine and her three daughters. The Mercury 7 astronauts visit Langley, and astronaut John Glenn goes out of his way to greet the West Area women. Catherine impresses Harrison by solving a complex mathematical equation from redacted documents as the Soviet Union's launch of Yuri Gagarin uh, increases pressure to send American astronauts into space. Harrison confronts Catherine about her breaks, unaware that she is forced to walk a half mile to use the nearest colored people's bathroom. She angrily explains the discrimination she faces at work, which leads Harrison to knock down the colored bathroom sign and abolish bathroom segregation. He allows Catherine to be included in high-level meetings to calculate the space capsule's re-entry point. Stafford makes Catherine remove her name from reports, insisting the computers cannot author them, and her work is credited solely to Stafford. Informed by Mitchell, there are, no plan- or there are no plans to assign a permanent supervisor for the colored group. Dorothy learns NASA has installed an IBM 7090 electronic computer that threatens to replace human computers. When a librarian scolds her for visiting the whites-only section, Dorothy steals a book about Fortran and teaches herself and her West Area co-workers programming. She visits the, she visits the computer room where she successfully starts the machine and is promoted to supervise the programming department. She agrees to do so if 30 of her co-workers are transferred as well. Mitchell finally addresses her as Mrs. Vaughn. Making final arrangements for John Glenn's launch, the department no longer needs human computers. Catherine is reassigned to the West Area and Mary's gym. On the day of the launch, discrepancy on the day of the launch, discrepancies are found in the IBM 7090 calculations, and Catherine is asked to check the capsule's landing coordinates. She delivers the results in the control room, and Harrison allows her inside. After a su- successful launch in orbit, a warning indicates the capsule's heat shield may be loose. Mission Control decides to land Glenn after three orbits instead of seven, and Catherine supports Harrison's suggestion to leave the retro rocket attached to help keep the heat shield in place. The Friendship 7 lands successfully. Though the mathematicians are ultimately replaced by electronic computers, an epilogue reveals Mary obtained her engineering degree and became NASA's first female African-American engineer. Dorothy continued as NASA's first African-American supervisor. Catherine, accepted by Stanford as a report co-author, went on to calculate the trajectories for the Apollo 11 and space shuttle missions. In 2015, she was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. In 2016, NASA dedicated the Langley Research Center's Katherine Johnson uh, computational building in her honor. That is Hidden Figures. Oh, yeah. All right. How fun. 
How fun. What a god movie. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's a god set. On Disney Plus. There you go. <laughs> now, when did you first see Hidden Figures? And were you aware of these three amazing black women that were being portrayed in this motion picture show? It was the day of our Lord, February 23rd, 2021. So <laughs> yesterday it was the very first time I'd ever seen this movie. And uh, yeah, I was surprised. I'd never heard of uh, these three women. It, it was really cool to see their story unfold. And um, yeah, it was on, like I said, watch on Disney Plus again. One more time for the kids in the back. <laughs> one more time. Um, yeah, I, uh, I want to have a little, a little disclaimer, though, before I get into this. Because I liked this movie, Justin, but I wasn't as enamored as I think you are or as I think a lot of people were, the majority of those critics. So let me just start by saying that I fully understand I, no matter how hard I try, I'll never be able to empathize and know what it's like with the um, struggle life would and has been for women all over the world, especially women of color. So I'll never understand that struggle exactly. Um, I do understand and acknowledge that anything I say on this episode should be prefaced with this fact. And I support and love all women. And I, I really want to be a champion feminist with y'all because I love women. I have a mother. I have sisters. Yeah. Now, even though I may not think this movie is the greatest thing ever, I fully, fully, fully comprehend why so many people uh, maybe do. And, and I agree wholeheartedly with their assertions on it. It's just uh, these are just my opinions on it. So I feel like I need to say that because this I'll, I'll go more into it. But I mean, you could say that at the end when we have our final thoughts. <laughs> I know, but I, I wanted I wanted to kind of start out just so that way it's not because I'm not going to tear this movie apart or anything like that. But I just I don't want someone to look at it as being like, oh, you're so misogynistic because you don't like this movie. Well, you are. <laughs> See, that's exactly why I have to preface this. <laughs> um, You're entitled to your opinion. You like dumb shit, so I'm not worried. I know. So I enjoyed it, though. I mean, it was it, it was a, I enjoyed my what was it? Two hours, two hour runtime watching it. So, yeah, I don't know. But that's all I really have to say. What about you? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I saw this in sometime in 2016. I don't remember the day, but. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great, um, especially since I had never heard of any of these people. So it was like a whole new experience for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, some real heartbreaking moments for me and uh, some eye opening scenes. And uh, when it was over, I was just like, whoa, that movie was nuts. I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. So, there you have it. All right. Well, let's get into the nitty of the gritty, as they say. Do you consider yourself to be a space boy? Do you have a telescope or keep up with the news from NASA in regards to interstellar travel, shuttle launches, solar flares, space dust, asteroid trajectories, or footage of UFOs captured by U.S. military, tabloid journalists, truck drivers, conspiracy theorists, or otherwise? Do you believe we are not alone? Is the truth out there? Go get them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could do that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, I want to say that I am. I, I, I really enjoy any space travel film, anything like that. Um, when we talked about Interstellar, I thought about that. I, I immediately watched The Martian after that. Um, and this movie did the same kind of stuff. It, it reinvigorated my love of that genre. This was just cool because it gave a completely different aspect that I was like, what? Like, I didn't even know uh, that these African-American women were were doing this like for NASA. I think that's so cool. And so it gave a different perspective. Um, I'm trying to think of another space movie that we've had that kind of gives you maybe that, like the training or the, the back of office stuff. Cause space most of the time camp. space camp, I've never seen that one. Mars it's, attacks. There you go. <laughs> most of the time it's their films where we just focus on like the astronauts and stuff. Uh, but it's kind of fun to see. Oh, uh, actually, The Martian wasn't w did a really good job of blending all of this because you get uh, all those different uh, back of the house characters who are helping along with the mission. It's not just Matt Damon up in space farming, farming his poop for potatoes sort of thing. You, you do get to see like Rick Parnell's uh, uh, trajectory stuff and whatever. I think that's really neat. And this movie does a really good job of that. But I could be better about keeping my ear to the ground in terms of real life launches and satellites and everything. Um, I know that, you know, we just had perseverance land a few days ago, 
on Mars. And that was pretty remarkable just to be able to see the video and the pictures. It is, uh, it's some crazy stuff, man. It's, it's crazy to think that we are now at a time that we can get to a, a distant planet like that and, um, get crazy high quality video and some audio from it. It was phenomenal. And that got, that got me really, really giddy on the insides. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I like aliens. Yeah, I like Armageddon. I'm a pilot. Yeah, I'm a pilot. Oh, my God. Now, uh, while we can't possibly begin to understand what it's like being a black woman in the 1960s working in a male-dominant field, uh, we certainly got some interesting and often heartbreaking perspective from the points of view of the, the women on this film. And um, what are some of the standout scenes where you just felt uncomfortable or angry for these characters? I felt really angry for the bathroom scene. The fact that uh, Karen was forced to, or Catherine, sorry, <clears throat> was forced to, um, you know, run a, what, a half mile to the, to the bathroom. And, and I was curious on why she brought her, um, all the paperwork with her. But then I was like, Oh, cause she doesn't want to, you know, miss a beat pretty much. And that is, that's so sad to me. And that just, that made me so angry at a, at a certain point. I wanted her to just go like pee by a car or something, but, um, yeah, that, that part really angered me. And then, uh, the library scene when that, that dumb lady was like, Oh, you, you know, we don't want any trouble. And she's like, what? I'm just looking for a book. <laughs> right. Trouble you get trouble you're gonna cause on a library <laughs> it was uh it made me mad but i was glad that um that uh wasn't in victoria that she took the veron god damn it, i'm not getting the names right i'm sorry veronica octavia uh, Dor spencer. dorothy was octavia spencer dorothy I, dorothy, Vaughn. Vaughn. dorothy. Yeah. when dorothy took the book i thought that, that was uh really great so and then um when catherine couldn't be uh when she couldn't put her name on the reports I thought that really made me mad too, uh, because I do not like when other people take credit for other people's work. Um, it bugs the shit out of me. And I think she, de she deserved every ounce of credit that he got for that report. In fact, she got more, she deserved more than he did because he was a dumb dumb. So, um, but yeah. And then maybe like the coffee scene too. That one didn't, it wasn't as impactful for me. Uh, I thought it was, it was okay, but like, if I was her, I would have just been like, whatever, I'm still drinking the hot stuff. I'm not making my own coffee. <laughs> but obviously, you know, I never lived in that time and I was never uh, an African-American woman or a male. And so I don't know the rules. And I think that's what infuriates me the most is me in my heart of hearts. I'm like, why don't you just tell them to F off? You can't do that back in that day because that's still the South. And even though it's segregated, they're not recognizing it fully. Sure. Yeah. Or vice versa. Desegregated, I should say. All right. So this cast is off the charts with talent. Uh, Taraji P. Henson, Octavia Spencer, and Janelle Monet uh, pretty much steal the scene, like steal the show every scene that they're in. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's a trifecta of kick assery when we are treated to all three sharing a scene together. What are some of the other roles that you have seen them in where they just blew you away? So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think all three of them are fantastic. And then I really like Aldous Hodge a lot. And then I didn't know Mahershala Ali was in it. So I was like, oh, my God, I love him. Uh, so, yeah, but all, all three of those ladies were so, so good from the get go. Uh, but Taraji, she was in Curious Case of Benjamin Button. And I really I really enjoyed her in that. I thought she that was the first probably the first real exposure I had to her. And I was like, oh, damn, she's good. She was in Hustle and Flow. Yeah, um, it's hot. Yeah, yeah. Saw <laughs> in the theater. Oh, that movie. <laughs> DJ. <laughs> yeah. Like D E E. Yeah. J. Yeah, that's great. And then um, she was in. I didn't watch Power, but she was in Power. I think is what it was. Um, on on Fox. I saw clips of it, but I just I, I like her. I think she has a very commanding screen presence. Mm -hmm. um, for Octavia Spencer, she's she's been in a lot of movies and she was like an extra in a whole bunch of stuff. And I think the first thing I really paid attention to her in was Dinner for Schmucks. She had like this kind of side. She was one of the uh, of the schmucks, basically. But she was good in that. Um, and then she got into more serious roles after The Help because I think she won an Oscar for The Help. And she was great in that movie. She was great in The Shape of Water. And she was great in this. All very similar-esque characters, but she's she found her niche and she's awesome. I really, really enjoyed her in this role. 
And I was, I was, she was like the best example of an on-screen supervisor you can think of. I, I've had so many supervisors that are just like her, except she did it better, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then Janelle Monet, what can I say? She's gorgeous. She's amazing. I absolutely love her. She's a fantastic singer. Uh, Moonlight she was in, and I love her in Moonlight. I, I rave about her. Uh, I haven't seen Antebellum yet, but that is on Hulu, and I do want to see that. Uh, I, I believe she was also in the movie Harriet, which I think came out last year. So... Uh, but yes, all three of them, they could they could be in anything and I will watch it again just because they are such badass women. All right. I concur. You are spot on. Apt. Mm. Apt mm. observation. <laughs> Apt pupil. Uh, oh, that movie sucks. I know. Yikes. I forget. What was I supposed to watch? It was either that or Soldier. I think they both came out at the same time. And it was like a real Sophie's Choice, man. I was like, these are both. Probably going to be bad, but I like Kurt Russell. I like Magneto there. I mean, I've always... Uh, and then I think Brad Renfro is the kid that's in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, he um, is. Holy shit. Yeah, that takes me back. It's on Burbank. Whew. Uh, let's see. Where were we? Back back on task here. Uh, it's pretty safe to say that all these women work in a hostile work environment. Have you ever been in a position where you felt targeted or maybe a coworker was the target of harassment? And what, Zach, if anything, did you do about it? So I haven't, actually. I have not. I'm, I am I live in a pretty liberal state, and um, we have a lot of good affirmative action and equal rights and stuff. But that's not to say, because I'm 33, so the, that's not to say that when I was 16 through like 25 that it wasn't happening. Um, I just maybe have never noticed or seen, but basically... I know what I would do. I mean, I would obviously step up and and talk to like HR, talk to whoever, do what I would need to. But um, yeah, I I don't have any firsthand knowledge of it. So I I don't want to misspeak on on it. But yeah. Have you? Uh, Yeah, I'd say so. Um, At Target. Yeah, I remember one of the cashiers was uh, this uh, someone that was like in a position of power uh, was constantly asking this girl to date him and she wasn't interested and then the response was well you know you're a good looking girl so people are gonna hit on you and you know you just gotta get used to it that was hr's response to the cashier and i was like i don't think so (laughs) and uh you know so i was like you guys are crazy to say something like that and uh the cashier left the company and um I was actually friends with uh, her boyfriend. Uh, not, like, not like besties or anything like that, but I mean, we knew each other. We were acquaintances and everything. So after they left, you know, I, I wrote this nice person like a, a glowing red letter of like recommendation and you know, used me as a reference or whatever. Um, I didn't get to be directly involved in any of the investigations whatsoever, but um, I, I did have to deal with some of the fallout afterwards. And... Um, yeah, I was, I was I was like, you can't say that to a person. Oh, yes, but you are a beautiful girl, so people are going to Oof. hit on you. Oof. Fuck. Well, that's that was hap- a late that was a lady that said that to the other lady. Yeah. Can you believe that? I think I know the lady too. And that's Holy what happens shit. when you hire like twenty-two-year-old kids from college who you they try to have these conversations. I'm like, what are you doing, Target? <laughs> they like to hire young and they don't really like to give a lot of training. So fuck yeah. target management. I'll say it right now. That was but, that was yeah. a very insensitive moment. And, Yikes. Uh, I was not proud. <laughs> I was oh like, are God. you fucking serious? Um yeah, whew, I I walked in on that one, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's <laughs> not how you do things." But no, that's um, bad. Yeah, so I didn't uh, I didn't get to have an active role in that whole process, but when it was all said and done, um, you know, I, I did what I could for the nice lady that no longer worked there anymore. But yeah. um, holy smokes, that uh, took me back. I was like, Good lord. <laughs> Can't can't do that. And then uh, actually, when I was uh, when I was working at Staples, there was an incident where uh, we had uh, multiple teens. I mean, they're not technically teenagers; they were like early twenties. You know, but they're kids. I consider them kids. And 
one of them said something remarkably offensive to the other two. One female said something really offensive to the other one. And uh, someone had overheard it. And the person that overheard it, you know, felt uncomfortable. So they brought it to management's attention. And then there was this huge investigation and there were interviews. And the person that said the offensive thing was let go. And then eventually uh, the other person just uh, decided not to work there anymore because there's no going past it, I, I suppose. Right. And so, you know, that's completely fair. The, the person that was at fault and, and that said the things was terminated, but it's hard for someone to, to put their life back together after the damage has already been done. Oh, uh, re- yeah, regardless of how supportive the, the store and the team is, there's just going to be, it's up to that other person to decide, yes, I want to remain here or no, I don't. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I stumbled in on that one too. I had I had just started working there. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> so that was fun. Oh, dumpster so, fire. <laughs> yeah. There's always something, right? People are crazy. But anyway, what can you do? Now, the beginning of this film, uh, for me at least, uh, set the tone pretty well. You know, three women on the side of the road with a broken car, and the police pulls over to give them a hard time. And in about 30 seconds, you know, they flip the script. And show how clever and resourceful they really are. You know, they convince the officer to help them out uh, with a police escort. And Dorothy jumps the car without the help of a, of a man or a, a tow truck. Um, cut to Mary behind the wheel, driving right up on the bumper of the police vehicle, saying, you know, three black women chasing a white police officer down a highway in Hampton, Virginia in 1961. Ladies, there is a God-ordained miracle. Um, now, I ask you, Mr. Zachary Dale Food Court, did you not fall in love with all three of these women right then and there? Oh, yeah. No, I agree. I, I think it was so cool to start out with them not being damsels in distress, uh, you know, have an attitude, each having their own um, kind of uh, character style. Uh, you could tell kind of who each one was right off the get go. And that was super cool. Um you know, they were sassy and, and smart and they had agency and that was really, really neat. And they got, out, got they got out of that otherwise hairy situation. I mean, we've seen so many films where uh, an African-American person had to deal with a, a white police officer, especially in the South. And you're like, oh, God, this isn't going to go well. But they talked themselves out of it super quick by just kind of uh, playing to the whole space idea. And he's like, oh, yeah, we got to beat them Russians. You know, they flipped it and instead of making it a race thing, they flipped it to the, to the Russians. we got to beat them. Right. And so, um, that, I mean, Mary was very right for, for wanting to do that. So I thought that that was really, that was a neat way to start the movie. Um, and it kind of set the tone for it too. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was, I was absolutely enamored by that. Um, brains are very, sexy to me and so like <laughs> like in a zombie uh, eating way brains no no smartness and so i think it was so cool that they all started out and they all were like brilliant and it wasn't i mean it's weird because it doesn't even seem like I, I don't know if Catherine was like smarter than them or anything like I, th- I feel like they were all on the same level or they all had their own uh skill that they brought into it and i was like oh this is so neat so I really enjoyed that aspect a lot. So I was I was I was sold from from the get go. Perfect. Yeah, because like uh, Dorothy, you know, she she stops the officer from saying something terrible. You know, exactly. When, when she's saying that they all they all work for NASA, he's like, all of you. And he's like, I had no idea that NASA hired. And then before he could say anything, uh, which quite possibly was going to be a either the N word or a version of that. Yeah. She says uh, NASA hires a lot of women. Yeah, exactly. Whoa, (laughs) she's quick. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was great. And and the fact that, you know, she she was able to fix the car and I thought that that was so cool. Yeah, she just jumps it. That's fucking awesome. Cause that spark. Yeah. Yeah. The spark that will ignite the rebellion to fight the first order. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I forget what the line is, but it's something stupid like that. Sure. Now, what did you think of Kevin Costner in the film? He certainly wasn't the star of this film. And, you know, that probably um, was intentional. You know, seeing a big name like Costner is in an important role 
but almost zero spotlight shines down on him. I, th- I think it's a good thing. You know, it didn't take away from the, the three main characters. Uh, but did you like his performance? And do you think anyone could have done this role? Because it kind of felt like a throwaway role to me in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I didn't really like him in this role. Um, it could have been you or me in that role. And I think we would have done okay. But that, therein lies my, my issue. So this is the only reason I'll agree with that uh, reviewer who said... Uh, Oh, gosh, I'm going to butcher it. Not the naive part, but the... It was uh, artificial. The artificial part. So a lot of this movie, like, I'm, I don't want to take away from what these amazing women did and and shedding light on on this, you know, hidden story that we'd never known about. But what I don't like a lot of the times in movies is just the overfabrication of, of, of a storyline in order to create drama. And, like, I know its purpose. I get it. I mean, it's 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 entertainment and it's to to twist the story a bit so that way you can kind of see what's going on. But I mean, I was even watching Invincible the other day and I really like that movie, but some of the cheesiness that was behind some of the moments where you're just like, Oh God, here it comes. They're going to do this and he's going to make the team. And it, it didn't really work for me. And I, I don't know if it was fatigue or, or whatever, but the parts that were so stereotypical, like him hitting down the, the colored is like the colored ladies washroom or bathroom or whatever sign that seemed so forced and so white savior to me that I was really turned off. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm wrong, but I just felt really weird. I, I don't want my these moments to be forced. And so I kind of wanted him to see to be a character that's that they maybe could have had from the real world story. I know that they didn't get rights for for certain characters in real life, but why do you have to make him one way or the other, like either really racist or really accepting? Why can't he be be like, oh, hey, Catherine, how's it going? I'm whatever. The desk is over there, you know, and treat all of his work as the same. Why does he have to be I'm singling you out? And then, hey, guess what? I have a heart of gold, though, on the inside. He I I feel like he could have existed, but he, he could have just been a normal character, if that makes any sense. So I don't I do think that he just sees everyone as just people, though, because I mean, he's just she's a computer to him. Yeah, nothing else. She's not. He's not. She's not a person. Mm. She just. He just needs the answers to the formulas and the problems, and he needs them yesterday. He doesn't care if it's a man, woman, <laughs> child, or monkey. He just <laughs> needs the data. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't getting that with her going to the bathroom. So I don't even think it was about uh, her being black. It was just about her being able to use the closest restroom. Right. So. That's where I would disagree with you is that it the reason why to me it didn't feel like a white savior moment was because it was just a matter of she's missing for 40 minutes when I need her only missing for two minutes. Right. And that makes that makes sense then. That's how I looked at it. Well, and so I think so then that makes sense for his his character. But I think all the other characters as a whole, I mean, we're talking about NASA. We're not talking about some steel mill or like, I don't know, a, a restaurant in the South. I mean, NASA has like the brightest minds in the world, even in the 60s. Was it really that segregated like that? It seemed like it was really bad. And so I mean, I, but I, I don't know. Again, I, I'd be ignorant to say to, to, to call any fabrication on it, but it just seemed like it was they had this paradigm for how to set up these movies. And I think that's kind of what took me out of it at points and why I wasn't so in love with this film, which is such a bummer because I don't think there was from any of like the three ladies or even, you know, their husbands. I don't think there were wasted performances. I think they all shined, but it just was like Jim Parsons. I didn't need him in the film and Kirsten Dunst. I didn't need her in the film. They didn't really do anything for me. Parsons was a was a dick, but he just didn't really do anything for me. So I don't know. Right. So I do believe that it was segregated like that only because Virginia was a state that did not recognize mm, okay. uh, the idea of, um, you know, uh, unsegregated areas, which is why their schools were that way still. And the library was that way. And it would make sense that NASA would be that way, too. Yeah, um, but, but I, mean, I mean, we we weren't we weren't there, you know. I, yeah, I had my third grade teacher, Miss Solomon, mm-hmm. incredible woman, and that's that's I got so much of my Black history from her because she was a Black woman growing up in the South. She was from Alabama, and 
her she remembers drinking out of a fountain that said uh you know i don't want to say what it said but there was white's only fountains and then there was her fountain mm-hmm. and she shared that with us you know i was eight years old and this was all news to me you know that my very first exposure to to honest to goodness black history month was in third grade and she was my favorite teacher of all time i would go back and visit her constantly as an like an adult and uh you know just to kind of you know hear her stories and you know just share how like my success and you know just growing up and you know she was a fantastic woman loved her to death and um so to hear her accounts of what it was like in growing up in like you know rural alabama um is a horrifying place. And so for me, it is not a stretch to believe that a place in Virginia would very much be that way. Yeah. They weren't necessarily violent towards them, towards everyone else, but they certainly didn't go out of their way to be helpful. Mm -hmm. So whether it be, uh, just for the sake of, of the movie or whether it be in real life, I had bought into it because I know someone that was personally affected in that way. And so for me, I didn't even think twice about, you know, the validity of it or whether it was forced because it it, it happened. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, and I mean, that makes sense. And that's not what I'm necessarily trying to say. I think I'm more thinking like, you know, you have the smartest, some of the smartest people in the world working here and usually smart people aren't racist. So <laughs> but I wasn't alive in 1961. And so I just. I, I I don't I don't know, but it's still I mean, listening to what you're saying, it makes more sense. And I knew that that's what I needed to kind of do was maybe like think about it a little more. But um, yeah, no, that, sure. I got you. I got and you. I, and I understand what you're saying. You know, you would think someone that ha- is intelligent would be uh, wouldn't be so petty. Um, but yeah. I do think that we as humans aren't going to care about something until it affects us. Because like, you know, for me, and this is how I look at things and I'll shit talk again on target because fuck target. But one of the crappy things there was when you're a manager, they're like, you need to do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, but you're going to get a number five. That's what you get. So you need to (laughs) do those things and that's what you get. Or, hey, build this house, but here's a hammer. You got to figure out the wood and the nails yourself. And like, while I agree that it's okay to to, um, push people and stuff, when you're not having the best people in line for certain things, or you're not, you're on a deadline, like Kevin Costner's character was, I feel like, or even Stafford was, is that his name? Stafford, Jim Parsons. Mm-hmm. Why would you be like, Oh, you can't put your name on that. I'd be like, dude, holy shit. You just solved this and you're amazing at numbers. So sweet. Let's collaborate. But I get, I understand it's a different mindset, you know, 60 years ago. I just I think it's just so asinine for anybody to not think that I'd be like, we need to figure out how to get him into space. And oh, wow, she's amazing at, at math and she can figure this out. I'd be like, I'm I'm 100 percent on board. So, yeah. Right. Um, that That's the thing, though. Right? I mean, yeah, he's a fictional character, but she's a woman in the workplace. Right. And that right there is her biggest problem is that she's a woman. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm curious almost if it's like the fact that she's a woman or the fact that she's African-American. I, I'm, I'm almost wondering if you if you could separate them, what would be the bigger issue in in, in NASA's mind or in, in, in this film? I know it's a double whammy, which I think is why the movie hits so well. But uh, yeah. Right. So, I mean, when when when. Kamala Harris was nominated for vice president and there's all these, you know, awesome moments that are happening in history. And when I saw that one, uh, some sort of factoid where it was like women couldn't have their own bank account until like 1971 that or something like that. That is crazy to me. Yeah. That's crazy to me. <laughs> Needed their husband's permission or some shit. Yeah. Like, are you insane? So, I mean, this is 1961, right? When this movie yeah. starts. So, I mean, it's not for another 10 years, Zach, where, where a woman could have their own bank account. That's fucking crazy to me. That's some uh, Handmaid's Tale shit. That's just unbelievable. Yeah. So, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, which actually leads me to, to my next question. So, women have it pretty rough in the workplace. So many times their ideas or opinions are overlooked. Uh, you know, they have to deal with sexism on what's probably a, a daily basis. Is this something that you are cognizant of in the workplace or do you have to remind yourself to check your privilege? Dude, I always check my privilege. I mean, I, I live in a I, I'm pretty woke and I live in a woke world. And so uh, I think social media helps a lot with that. It can also be really negative with that as well. But uh, yeah, I um, 
like I said earlier, I live in a really great state that has uh, good affirmative action and diversity. And a lot of my former bosses and even like my friends are all really high ranking badass women. And it's, it's super cool to see their progression. And like, you know, I'd run through a brick wall for them because some of them are just those types of leaders. But, um, the places that I've worked, there's just been a ton of diversity and, and it's great to feel treated as equals, uh, amongst each other in that company. I think that's, that's really neat. So maybe I've just been fortunate. Um, and I haven't been in a, in like an ad agency or, or something like that, where it's, it's mostly men, you know, doing this, this, and this, and then the women get the shit jobs. Um, but I definitely, I think outside of work, I see it a lot. So like I go to the gym a lot and, there's a lot of guys that go to the gym uh, and not as many girls that go during my hour, I should say. But when, when some women do go to the gym, there are some, some dudes who will creep over. They'll kind of like look over. You can just see them stare. And I'm like, Oh my God, you just, (laughs) you're such a creep when you're doing that. And so for me, I'm not going to fit into that, uh, that that stereotype or anything. So I'm not going to be that extra creepy guy and, and look over, uh, I'm going to the gym to mind my own business, to get my work done and to leave. I don't talk to anybody. I just listen to music and podcasts and I get my work done. And I think that that can relate in the workplaces. Uh, I know that in retail, I've seen coworkers who will be like, oh, that, that girl's so hot or whatever. And you kind of have to nip that in the bud, obviously. But I was never like a manager in that setting. So, um, yeah, it's uh, I, I, I don't... I'm definitely cognizant of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. It's uh, I growing up. I mean, I've talked about this on the show before, where you're just growing up with two sisters that are both very successful in the workplace, uh, but having to hear their trials and tribulations and frustrations, you know, especially my sister who's a Democrat in the state of Tennessee Ooh. and <laughs> working for the city and uh, having to deal with you know various types of older white men can be exhausting (laughs) and so uh you know i get first hand accounts of 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 the dealings that she has to to you know go through every single day so it's it's exhausting and poor thing but she's fighting the good fight and she's got great ideas she's brilliant and love her to death and i i the very idea that she's successful in the the work environment that she is in just tells you how amazing she is. So hell yeah. Uh, you know, good for her. But yeah, um, it's gotta be tough. And you know, one of my favorite managers of all time was actually at target. Uh, you know, Lisa was yeah. freaking amazing. And she I learned cool. so much about just being a leader, about being a, a positive person and, and sharing ideas and just supporting people. Um, I got, I, she shaped, my uh, adult career pretty well and uh, i couldn't be more grateful for her she's fantastic nice that's awesome yeah just throwing that out there she's uh she's a badass liked her a lot now sending a human up into space is truly an incredible feat and no doubt all eyes in america were watching do you feel like you have lived through an event where the entire world was watching and you felt specially part of it uh, obviously, 9-11 was a, a defining moment where we all held our breath and our hearts were ripped out of our chests. But I was hoping for something that was a little more on a positive <laughs> note. And, and it's kind of tough. So yeah, I'm just curious where you stand on that. So and and you're right. This, it, it's really tough because we typically are so used to, to negativity. And I mean, oh God, I saw a tweet the other day that was saying... Um, it sucks that I lived at or I was born in the fuck around part time of our existence. And now I'm living as like an adult in the find out time, <laughs> so, right. you know, fuck around and find out. So there's so many negative things that have happened. Just shit. I mean, even in the, in the past five years, you got COVID-19, you got all the BLM protests. The BLM protests aren't negative. What I'm saying is it sucks that this shit happens on like a monthly or like a weekly that that black people are getting killed on the streets. And, and it's just like, well, you know, this is, this is normal. That shouldn't be normal. So it's just, uh, it's crazy because the whole world is watching. And I think a positive thing to come out of that is you do have unity for, for, uh, groups all over and, and there is change being affected. Right. Um, 
but then for for negativity, you know, the whole Trump presidency was just so negative. Now, inversely, you look at it, and again, people have risen up, people have worked together, um, and then you end up with what happened in November, where Biden kicks his ass, and it was awesome. It was incredible. I remember when CNN called it, and they were one of the last news sources to call it, but when they called it for Biden becoming the president-elect. I mean, my city was just going crazy and watching those awesome videos of people celebrating in the streets, you know, drinking. My buddy Josh was making margaritas. He went and got a bunch of tequila and margarita mix and he posted up a, a table outside of his house just on the sidewalk and anybody who walked by could get one. It was really cool. Like, uh, it was super fun, man. I mean, just everybody being happy. So times like that are really great. And then um, locally, like personally for me, uh, I would love, I would probably go to jail because of how many cars I'd flip over. But if the Mariners won the World Series, I would just go ape shit. <laughs> so <laughs> the closest thing to that was the Seahawks winning the Super Bowl back in 2013. Uh, we were dancing on the streets. We were hugging. We were crying. It was just absolutely pandemonium. And that was a very, very cool moment that I will always, always remember. Well, there you go. Yeah, there's a lot of negative stuff. I mean, my first negative thing was the Challenger Oh, my God. Yeah, that was so sad. It was an 86. It was January of 86. But so I would have only been five. But I remember our school, uh, you know, everyone's going to the auditorium to watch this historical event. And it's a crazy thing. Uh, I don't remember, you know, feeling sad because I was five. And so, you know, I'm in kindergarten. What the hell do I know? Right. But, um, you know, weeks and weeks of talking about it and you know, a teacher was on board. So it was a big deal, you know, and then yeah, several years after on that day, it would be an anniversary where a, like a bell would ring and moments of silence and stuff like that. And so that was a pretty negative thing. And then I don't think it was really until nine 11 where I had that next big, Oh my God, all the whole world is watching hold your breath kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was like the Oklahoma bombing and there was of course, you know, the world trade center where the, the truck was like kind of driving into the the front of it or whatever. But, you know, it was national news, but people were still going on about their day versus 9-11 when all planes land and you could look up in the sky and not see anything anymore. That was kind of that was a surreal experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I just, remember. Yeah, I remember yeah. where I was, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. That's 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 nuts, man. And now I think, you know, when. When Obama was elected, I think that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone was celebrating and, and well, at least not, I shouldn't say everyone, but uh, <laughs> a good majority of people a, were celebrating. A majority of the country, <laughs> let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, it's safe to say was, was celebrating and it was, you know, Obama challenge. Oh, yeah. And so that was cool. And that then, of course, cool, yeah. yeah, the, the inauguration that we just saw, but I mean, shit, man, just, just on, on January 6th when we had the, the whole Ugh. insurrection. I mean, that's yeah. another terrible thing where I was glued to my TV. I was sick to my stomach and I was glued to my TV at the same time. Like I was just so sad and devastated by what I was watching. And I'm just like, fuck, man, can't we just, can't we have a win? <laughs> this, is, this is awful. <laughs> Fucking so tired of bad. this shit. Go. <laughs> Uh, so, we need like a uh, cure for some sort of disease or something like that right. to, as a win. <laughs> so it's just it's just one of those things where, you know, I could I could imagine being a kid and being excited about sending a man up into space or or or, you know, going to the moon or something like that. And it would really, really be neat to see something like that again. If you believe to put a man on the moon right. or like in the Martian when everyone's watching them rescue. Yeah. That Damon, you know, that would have been. That would have been crazy to be a part of something like that. Oh, my God. I know, right? That that, that would have been very, very cool. Like, everyone is glued to their radios, their their Zooms, yeah. <laughs> their TV st- sets. <laughs> yeah, that would be nuts. Yeah. And, I mean, it would be scary, but it would be so exciting at the same time. So. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now, do you have a formal education of the civil rights movement in America, or do you feel like you were cheated out of that education from our school system? Oh, no, I got a great education. Uh, back in my hometown, they it wasn't as diverse as I wanted it to be. Uh, we had a, a we had a large Hispanic population, but we didn't have any African-American people there. Um, so we were, you know, we're white kids and stuff learning about um, about the civil rights. But we definitely 
did a lot of studying in, I think, like third, fourth and fifth grade. So that was really cool. And then later on in like high school and stuff, too. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely got a formal education. Um, I a lot of it I won't remember, and that's nothing against the subject uh, material. It's just I have a bad memory for for certain things. <laughs> it goes in one ear, not the other. And um, yeah, so especially math. But <laughs> so I, I think it was it was great to learn all of that kind of stuff. And then I'm reminded and it's little sparks uh, when I watch things like like this or I watch um, shit. I mean, like even One Night in Miami recently or Lovecraft Country where you're like, oh, that's that. Oh, yeah. Emmett Till. I completely remember about Emmett Till and all these different things. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I um, I had some pretty awesome teachers growing up, but I know that it is definitely a regional thing uh, where you could live in a certain part of this country and it'd be just a paragraph. I would imagine the South will rise again. <laughs> and uh, it's horrifying. Yeah, absolutely. It's like they're trying to erase history pretty much by not by not talking about it. And that's so fucking awful. <laughs> absolutely. It's so awful. Yeah, that's pretty terrible. It uh, it makes me sick. So. All right. Well, that's uh, that's pretty much all I got. Any final thoughts about hidden figures? Um, yeah, I mean, I really liked, uh, whenever, whenever, uh, Taraji P. Henson was doing the math scenes, whenever Catherine was having her math scenes where like, I mean, that's like a foreign language to me. Like I'm saying, I used to know cosine and all that stuff in high school. I don't know anything, but I thought that's so cool how she was figuring out formulas, uh, because I really enjoy when you start with a whole bunch of information and you have to narrow it down to, to one thing or the exact opposite where you have one piece of the puzzle and then you have to put it all together. Uh, I think it's really, really neat. And those were honestly probably some of my favorite parts. Uh, the final when what's his name? Uh, not Neil Armstrong, but uh, John Glenn, John Glenn, when he's going around in orbit, I wasn't, I didn't really care about that too much. Cause I knew how it was going to play out when she was solving the equations. I was like, Oh my God, like what's she, is she going to get it? Are they going to, is she going to be wrong? Like what's going to happen? And I thought that was so neat. Um, so those were my favorite moments in the film. Did you have any favorite moments? Um, I think, yeah, so I like it when they're in the house and they're talking about work and then like, no more talking about work. And then they break out the drinks and they're yeah. getting drunk and <laughs> dancing funny. and stuff. Shit, man, I can relate to that so much. I mean, it is so hard for us not to be in the same room together and talk about Target. And we haven't even worked there in years. I and know. It's, just, it's so crazy how when you are with colleagues that you will talk about work and it's like you're hanging out to not talk about work, but that's just what you do. So like... For me, that's one of the most relatable moments ever. It's just yeah. like, fuck, dude, break out the booze and let's forget about fucking work for a second. Uh, I, I and, agree. Yeah, it's just, I, I, I dig that. And then I really like the scene outside the church when they're like eating and then uh, Marja Ali shows up and they're like, they're like all talking. And they're yeah. like, oh, he's going this way. She's like, and oh she's my like, God, why is he coming this yeah. way? Well, because Mary's waving him over. <laughs> I was, I was laughing so hard when she said she was like, because Mary's waving him. It was so <laughs> fucking funny. Oh my God. That, their whole dynamic was awesome because you could tell they probably got along on set together. So that was really that was really funny. That was the funniest moment in the movie for me. I was I was dying. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, Mahershal is great too. I thought he he did a really good job as when he gave the proposal and stuff. I thought that that was awesome. And the movie did a good job of not focusing, you know, on these men because they were they were the bit players. They were sub characters that that were there and they were a part of these these women's lives. But the movie was focused on the women, and I think that that was really neat. Yeah. Well, so come over, you should go see it on yes. Disney Plus. <laughs> so, wh- where's it streaming, Justin? It's <laughs> my- streaming on the Disney Plus. <laughs> I only have Disney minus my yeah. letter. My letter grade is a B plus for it. Uh, I don't need to see it uh, anytime soon. I think I already kind of expressed my thoughts on it. Justin has course corrected me and I, I see the air in my ways, but uh, it just wasn't it didn't hit home for me as as hard as I wanted it to um, has nothing to do that. They are nothing to do with the fact that it's about African-American women. It has nothing to do with the fact that it's about women. It's kind of just it felt like a very Disney movie to me. And I think I'm just kind of tired of it so um, so yeah it's a b plus for me mm-hmm. all right that's fair i get it yeah what did you do what did, what about you what are your final thoughts what's your letter grade sure I, i'd give this movie an a i really enjoy it from start to finish i think it's fantastic i like how i get frustrated i like how i get angry um i like how i learned something new um it's always great when you watch a movie and you want to go 
look up something like when the movie starts and then all of a sudden you're like, fuck, I want to just Wikipedia a lot of this shit to see what happened. <laughs> um, you know, I am not a fan of biopics. I'm this just not something that I'm really into. And uh, this one is done in a way to where I, I'm fascinated. And I think it's an interesting time where they had to, you know, work for a living, you know, like there's that scene where, um, Dorothy is like, you know, we've been reassigned. Leave your calculators. We're not going to need them where you're going. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, shit. Like that's that's a jump in technology right there. We're literally yeah. seeing a jump in technology. Yeah. And and I love that. I think that's so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. I would not have done well in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Switching from regular pencils to mechanical pencils. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if I could do that. Um so I, I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's, I love the music. I thought the music was really fun. And um, the yeah, cars. the music was great. There was some John Legend in there. That was awesome. Yeah. I think it was. It's like, uh, who was it? Pharrell hope, Williams or something? I hope Jan- Janelle Monet sang something. She's my queen. She is absolutely amazing. So Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. I love the cars. I love everything about it. That is a fun decade to explore. That's for sure. Yeah, totally. Uh, aside from you know just the blatant open <laughs> racism all the, all that all exists. Racism. <laughs> I liked when Mary uh, convinced the judge you could be the first one to allow this, and he was kind of like, mm, "Okay, yeah." Okay, now, now you talk my language. Yeah, <laughs> so. I'm not going to do this to help you. I'm going to do this to help myself. Basically, is how that comes off. But. Yeah, but I mean, it worked. She played. Smart. She she played the strengths, and she came prepared, and that was a, a cool courtroom scene. So yeah, that was a great scene. Love it. He's like the night classes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> throw, that, throw that addendum in there really quick. Yeah, there you go. What a jack. <laughs> but, and then, you know, when she got when she walked into class and they're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. They're like, take the seat at the front. Who cares? Yeah. YOLO. You only live YOLO. Yeah. So they say. <laughs> That's not what the kids say. <laughs> <laughs> on their when, when they're smoking drugs. When they do their videos on their tic tac. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can't do the TikTok, man. <laughs> nope. Every time I look at it, it's just fucking girls in bikinis dancing, and I just and they're all like underage too. Yeah, so pass, I, I get hard on, a, pass. on a watch list. <laughs> like this algorithm thinks it knows me, but it doesn't. I don't get it. You should message them and say, "Well, you're really pretty, so you you better get used to it." So. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> that was the worst. Oh, your HR was garbage. I know who Ooh. she was. She was not a good person. But anyhow. Um, cool. I think that's a good spot to end for the night. <laughs> so thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at dbcrazypod at edgyarmo and at zachdale60 where you can share your thoughts with us and we will discuss them on our show. Heck, you can even tell us what episode, or I'm sorry, you can tell us what movie you think you should watch for our next episode. Just please make sure it is streaming because we are cheap fuckers. Uh, please also be sure to check out the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin. They are hilarious dudes. As well as a pixelated podcast with Stephen K. James. The guy is a savant, I tell you. He's brilliant. Um, all that we ask is please don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.